0: Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and firstly I just want to thank everybody for the massive amount of support we received in the lead up to the Easter break. The week on Wednesday was the number one politics podcast in Australia. We got onto ranking charts in many places around the world that we certainly didn't expect. Big shout out to our fans in Austria on that front. It's also been an incredibly busy, busy week. So Let's dive straight into the weekend wrap because the first story we need to talk about is the AstraZeneca vaccine and Scott Morrison's total bungling, mishandling failure when it comes to keeping the Australian people safe. Now, he promised so many times, so many announcements about so much vaccine. Him and Greg Hunt stood up there and promised tens of millions of doses of vaccine. What's being rolled out places Australia at the very bottom of the list. We are talking about being in amongst the company of countries where the central government barely exists at all. Now, anyone who loves this country has to be outraged at the failure of the Scott Morrison government to actually deliver COVID vaccines to all Australians. It's not even just all Australians, folks. It's the most vulnerable, the most at need, the most at risk, who are still missing out. I've seen posts from people who have been taking their elderly parents to the doctor to try and get a vaccine, only to, under the new advice, be told, no, they shouldn't have it. Now, this places us in an incredibly difficult position. The advice now seems to be that if you're under 50, you should wait and get the Pfizer vaccine. Australia will not be making the Pfizer vaccine. It's unclear to me whether it's because we can't or simply because we haven't been able to secure the commercial contracts that would allow us to do so. That information is difficult to find. Please do keep abreast of what's going on on the ABC because they do seem to have some really good information there. The Guardian is also following this story very, very closely, as is the New Daily. There are three news outlets that I would look at regularly on this issue because frankly, the issue comes down to this there is a small increased risk of blood clotting from the AstraZeneca vaccine. From what I've seen, from the numbers that have been reported, that risk is about on par with the increased risk of blood clots from the oral contraceptive pill. That's right, the pill that many, many Australian women take every single day. Now, of course... As far as I'm aware, there's never been a government advisory on the contraception pill, nor has there been a sudden and desperate need to replace that with a less risk of blood clot uh, alternative. However, here we are when it comes to the COVID vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, is now being advised against for a whole range of people. In the UK, it's people under 30 are being told Uh, not to have that and to have the Pfizer vaccine instead. It's really unclear when every Australian will be vaccinated. You might remember the promise was that by October every Australian would be vaccinated. That seems to have completely gone out the window with these so-called secured new Pfizer vaccines not arriving in Australia until the fourth quarter. For anyone not following along at home or who doesn't pay close attention to the financial papers, the fourth quarter basically means Christmas. So you can forget about getting a vaccine this winter. As we've talked about on both the week on Wednesday and the weekend wrap a number of times, winter is where we are at our most risk. We we are really going into a very dangerous period of time. We saw in Europe during the summer They thought they were on top of it. Things sort of went back to normal. Same here in Australia. We've started to get some sense of normality. Of course, what we're seeing now in Europe is third, fourth waves. Brazil has essentially collapsed. Anyone who's seen the photos of the field hospitals for COVID in Brazil knows what I'm talking about. There are mutations now all around the world. In the US and the UK, vaccination rates have skyrocketed they have massively increased their vaccination programs and they're starting to get on top of the spread now in australia that's not going to be an option for us so i urge everyone who listens to this podcast and everyone that you speak to to take the right precautions i was on a number of trains this week and i was stunned at the number of people not wearing face masks i don't like wearing a face mask i have a beard i have a big head and a big face Wearing a face mask is really uncomfortable, but I wear it to keep myself safe and to keep other people safe. And I urge you, where appropriate, please wear your face mask. I urge you to wash your hands. Remember all those little things that we can do to minimize the risk. There's still a risk there, folks, and going into winter, it's only gonna get worse. Of course, this entire debacle is entirely Scott Morrison's fault. There's no way around it now. The promises that were made, the promises that have been broken, the failure to invest in our capacity locally to do what's needed to keep us safe. All of these are the responsibility of the Commonwealth Government, and on every single front, the Commonwealth Government under Scott Morrison has failed. And let me just say this as well. At the same time as this is happening, the economic repercussions are potentially huge. JobKeeper has finished, Job seeker has been cut. We're seeing tourism operators continue to struggle. We're seeing large numbers of people still reliant on support from the government, support that is decreasing and being cut every single day. So while we've got two million Australians unemployed and underemployed, without a vaccine, things are not able to go back to the level of normal that would allow our economy to grow and our people to go back to work properly, securely, without the fear of COVID. On the other front, that Scott Morrison seems to be failing quite badly, the respect for women. So the respect at work report which is now some 450 plus days since the government received this report, had 55 recommendations in it. Morrison made a big song and dance this week that his government was going to accept all of the recommendations. It has since come to light that that's not true. The Morrison government will not be implementing all of the recommendations. Some of them it's noted, which simply means they're not going to do them. Uh, And some of the ones they're not doing are really quite core, such as changing the Fair Work Act so that the workplace rights of people, particularly women, uh, to a workplace free from sexual harassment are ingrained in legislation. They've also refused to commit to new occupational health and safety regulations. There's going to be a meeting of state and Commonwealth leaders in this space later on in uh, the month of April. And the federal government the morrison government is still refusing to endorse the regulatory changes needed to implement this report folks once again morrison is trying to get away with making announcements and failing to deliver it's an outrage it is beyond beyond arrogant to think that once again he might get away with promising and then failing to deliver Interestingly, this week, we also see the Senate Select uh, Committee on Job Security meeting. This is such an important issue, such an important topic. You'll see a whole range of organisations, of unions, of individuals who have contributed to this. We have to have greater job security in Australia. Greater job security creates greater demand, it s- drives our economy, it gives people... The security they need to make the decisions that result in buying homes, that result in starting small businesses, that result in employing more people, and result in people being able to simply make family decisions as well. You're more likely, if you're in secure work, to take the plunge and get married, to have kids. We know this. The the evidence is there, overwhelmingly there. So hopefully the Senate Select Committee will come up with some recommendations that will help improve job security in Australia. Now, finally, I just want to touch on the fact that, yes, Prince Philip, the prince consort to Queen Elizabeth II, has died. Uh, He died at the age of 99, two months short of his 100th birthday. I don't really have much to say about Prince Philip. I think if you've lived a life that long uh, and been in the spotlight for that long and said and done some of the things that he has said and done, most of your life has been recorded and is there available on the record uh, I'll say this uh, it appears as though uh, his relationship with the Queen was a very solid one it appears as though they had a, found a great deal of joy in each other over the course of time and I'm sure we can all appreciate that I myself am a staunch Republican I don't really have a great deal of time for the Royals I don't really see the point of their public existence um, I sort of take a bit of umbrage at the notion of working royal uh, I don't think that that's appropriate uh, use of the term working uh, but obviously for his family in particular this would be a moment of great sadness uh, and for anybody who's suffering this weekend who've lost a loved one whether they're 99 or nine months um, we obviously losing a loved one is very very hard so I just put it in that context Um, this has been the weekend wrap Uh, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other bye